Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. Earlier this year, I put on a live show in the Park Slope neighborhood of Brooklyn at Union Hall, my favorite of America's comedy venue. Unlike other live episodes, I tried something different. So usually I'll play a clip of someone that talked to them for about an hour, but this time it was, it was five guests. They each performed their joke, bit, set, etc. And then I talked to them for like 20, 30 minutes, and it was uh, super fun, and I loved it. I curated a lineup of some of my absolute favorite comedians performing some of my absolute favorite pieces of comedy I've seen over the last few years. There was Jay Jordan, Francesca de Uva, Marsha Belsky, and the guys behind the Stradio Lab podcast. This week, I present you part one. First up was our very special surprise guest. Adam Pally. I had asked Adam to do it after seeing a show a few weeks prior and finding it completely fascinating. I, I don't want to spoil it because there's so many compelling twists and turns, but just know it, it isn't really a comedy show. I mean, it is a comedy show in theory, but in practice, it is an evening of reverent, earnest singing. It's really hard to explain, but you'll get it once you hear Adam perform one of the pieces from the show. So here is Adam Pally. Hi, I'm Adam Pally. Some of you might know me. I don't know a lot of you are probably like, what is a TV star doing in Brooklyn with a guitar? And to that I would say, um, movie star. <laughs> and the second I would say, I don't uh, know. I know it's a bummer to see it be at a comedy show and have someone whip out a guitar because you're like, what kind of comedy with a crutch am I going to see tonight? Uh, but this, another bummer is that um, I don't, you're not, not much comedy. Uh, I don't have <laughs> a ton of jokes. Um, I'm not a stand-up comedian. Um, I never had to like, even though I've, I've been fairly successful in comedy and, and, and stuff, I, uh, I never had to like think of a premise or, um, a punchline or like, uh, because I was born attractive. <laughs> so, 
It was just a skill I didn't need to develop. Don't let tonight's look fool you. <laughs> I know I look like the lead singer of Vampire Weekend was found in a river, but uh, I assure you at a young age, I was very fuckable. Um, so anyway, so uh, in lieu of not having comedy, um, I, I, I'm gonna play some songs, uh, and, um, or one song. And uh, uh, my parents, I come by this honestly, my parents were uh, lounge singers in New York City when I was growing up, and um, I kind of was in a rut recently, and I was like, you know what, uh, I think playing songs might be the thing to get me out of a rut. So that's, that's pretty much what I'm gonna do tonight. Um, this song does have some audience participation, uh, but I think you guys can handle it, uh, though I am worried that the majority of you are white, <laughs> rhythmically. But I, I think we'll be okay. Um, are you guys Billy Joel fans? Okay, so like, not really. <laughs> That's actually good. Um, that'll make this next part. Anyway, so I wrote this song uh, in the 70s <laughs> about living in the West Village and uh, kind of the struggles, uh, everyday people. Um, I hope you like it. If you, if you know it, sing along. You probably, I don't know if you're familiar with my catalog, but I definitely wrote this. And um, uh, don't forget your participation. Anthony works in a grocery store, saving his pennies for someday. Mama Leone left a note on the door. She says, Sonny moved out to the country. Well, working too hard can give you a heart attack. I got, 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 you ought to know by now. Who needs a house out in Hackensack? Is that what you get for your money? And if it seems such a waste of time, that's what it's all about. Mama, if that's moving up, then I'm. Very, <laughs> great. <laughs> Sergeant O'Leary is walking the beat. At night he becomes a bartender. He works with Mr. Cacciatore down in Sullivan Street, across from the medical center. Oh, we're working in a Chevy for a Cadillac. You ought to know by now. Working on that with a broken back. Is that what you get for your money? And it seems such a waste of time. That's what it's all about. Mama, if that's moving up, then I'm. A little early from the oldest guy here looks like a little early. I get it, you wanna get it in. You guys have one more shot. You should never argue with a crazy mama, 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 you ought to know by now. Pay Uncle Sam with the overtime. Is that what you do with your money? And if it seems such a waste of time, that's what it's all about. Mama, if that's moving up, then I'm. Yeah. Hey, 
I, I appreciate how you decided silence was best for me. Yeah, very good. We're going to do it one more time because um, I feel like we should leave here all together united. I feel like that's the best thing for it. You going to be all right? <laughs> all right, cool. You should never argue with a crazy mama. I am, like, shook. I mean, with the whiteness of the crowd. But I guess Billy Joel's in the pocket. You ought to know by now. And if it seems such a waste of time, that's what it's all about. Mama, if that's moving up, then I'm everybody. Thank you. Anna Pally. I like to, uh, can I use this one? Does that work? Does this one, I like this one, it makes me feel like I'm at Third Man Records or something. So, Adam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, uh, what does that song mean to you? Um, well, I grew up uh, listening to a lot of Billy Joel. Listen, my dad played a lot of Billy Joel in places like the Empire Diner and uh, Bemelman's or Elaine's and stuff. And so uh, that was always a big crowd pleaser. Uh, and my dad would say he would do that before his break because people everyone people love to do that. So, uh, so like he would get a lot of tips when he'd do that song. Then he'd go on. And so like when it was done, he would stop. He'd be like, Cause I'm, and then everyone would go moving out. He'd be like, "All right, everybody, tip your waitress." And then he would go <laughs> off stage and collect like a bunch of tips. So it was like his first act closer. Um, so obviously, this is a an earnest song. This is a cover of a song you like. You played. There's yes. no jokes in it. No, no jokes. So I mean, well, I, the whole thing is a joke. But yeah. yes, no joke. The piece is is comedic as a the whole. Piece. Yes. Yeah, I like to think of my career like that. Yeah. <laughs> But I saw you recently at the Bell House, and you did a show that was made up of covers like this. Yeah, it was. It's more of a concert than a than a comedy show. Where Where does the impetus to do that come from? Again, um, I uh, I started doing this about a year and a half ago, um, and oddly oddly enough, this is this is very uh, uh, Hollywoody. But um, I started doing it after the HBO <laughs> Discovery merger. <laughs> Um, I, uh, uh, that's like half a joke, but I, I, um, I was getting like a little worried that I, like when I saw things being taken off the mm. internet and I, I don't, I don't have any of my work, like it's all floating on demand, you yeah, know, yeah. or like on the cloud. And so it got me like a little worried that I wouldn't have anything. And I guess as an actor, uh, that's like a byproduct of the job is that you're at other people's disposal. And I wasn't really that for the beginning of my comedic life yeah. because I wasn't a successful actor. <laughs> so I was creating for myself all the time. Um, and so I was like, what 
I want to do something and I want to have something that you can hold and that you can see and that you can experience and that you leave and you can tell your friend about it, but they probably won't get it. And like, but the night has an energy to it. Mm. And so it led me to going back to what my parents did and trying to find a um, contemporary spin on it. Did you wish you had done stand-up instead of improv coming <laughs> up? No, no, no. No, no, no. I don't wish I had done anything. I mean, I, <laughs> I, mean, um, I think stand-up stand -up is sometimes easier to get discovered in because you're alone on stage and you're truly like out there by yourself. So it's very much like, here I am, you like it or you don't. But what that can often do is like, before you are ready to be judged, someone says, I don't like it. <laughs> and so uh, I had the grace of being like the eighth man on an improv team <laughs> for 10 years and learning like, oh, this is how you do this and this is how you do this and then getting better and then, you know. So I think um, I, I don't envy stand-ups in that way, um, nor am I jealous or want to do it um, <laughs> at all. In fact, every time I do one of these, I'm reminded of that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you enjoy about the, the energy of this audience realizing you're not going to be playing a comedy song? Oh, that's the greatest feeling <laughs> ever. I mean, that's what it's all... I mean, you know, because it is a comedy song. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing that, that I think is like, they don't care. I mean, if you ask the audience, like, they didn't care. They don't give a shit what it is. <laughs> like, half of them don't know Billy Joel. They're like... They don't know that, like, you're not supposed to cover songs like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That it's, like, sacrilegious. Uh, they don't know that I'm not that good. I mean, they could tell. But, like, you know, like, and and really, truly what it is is, like, a shared time. Yeah. So, you, uh, you know, so we were talking about backstage. Like, uh, the whole point of my show or the whole point, of, I guess, of what I'm doing lately, I'm trying to figure out is, like, why from both sides, from you, the audience, and from me, the performer. Like, why are we here? What are we getting from each other? Um, I know I'm getting more out of it than you, <laughs> but um, but why do I need it? You know, because it's still not that much, and it, everything, <laughs> is, everything is fleeting, you know? So like, like, you know, the feeling is, t it feels good to make all you guys laugh and, and stuff, but at the end of the day, like, I'm still gonna go into my car and be alone. Yeah. And I, I'll be left with the same feeling that, that someone who worked at another job who didn't make everybody laugh has, they'll leave that job and they'll go be alone. You know, so it's like, I'm trying, I'm just trying to figure out like, what is it that, why we want to do this? Yeah. Or why I want to do it. And this. how do you make a show that captures that feeling while also not bumming out everyone when they realize? Uh, you do it by being honest about <laughs> it. Like you tell, you tell them up front, I mean, I, in my show I say right away, like I did tonight, there's not many, jokes there's no jokes um and uh and and then i say uh as like a disclaimer like we're gonna figure it out together and and hopefully i mean you were at this show i don't want to spoil it for anybody when you do get to see it um but uh hopefully you leave with a better understanding of both why you're there and i'm there yeah um you mentioned your parents uh i feel like you Wish you were a Nepo baby, but ultimately I do. <laughs> I wish I, I'm Nepo baby adjacent. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a Nepo baby of parents that didn't make it. Can you talk about a little bit about what they did? So they they were lounging. They they had a rock band uh, called Pally and Pal, um, 
in the late seventies and early eighties, and they and they toured. My dad, my father was an actor. My mother was a singer. Yeah. And they toured the Catskills on weekends. The Catskills, like, I don't think it exists anymore. It was like a very Jewish <laughs> area in upstate New York, kind of like where Paul Rudd owns a coffee shop now. <laughs> and uh, there used to be these, like, big resorts where, like, you know, Joan Rivers would play or, you know, Sid Caesar. And my, par- my parents would play in the lounge there because you would walk in and then there would all much like in vegas you guys have been to like las vegas or atlantic city you go into a lounge there's like a, a cover band playing you know so my parents were that cover band uh when i was a ch- child and um then when i was about eight my father pulled the plug and was like i'm sick of living with two children in a one-bedroom apartment in stuyvesant town and i um i was a good student and I want to go back to medical school. And so he moved, he got, he applied and he got into the University of Chicago, which at the time, I think it still is, is like the number one medical school in the country. And he moved us all to Chicago and we lived there for four years while he did his residency, which is why my accent is like a fucking dumpster fire. <laughs> but, um, and then anyway, then he moved back to Livingston, New Jersey and he opened a practice and he became a doctor uh, by the time I was 18 which is um, wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, But I think what that does, again, it's like Nepo baby adjacent. You're like, you see it. You see, like, and my parents love, my mom when she was around my dad, they love Hollywood. They yeah. love it, you know? And they like Broadway. They're, you know, don't get my dad started about Beanie and Funny Girl. It's like, <laughs> a, you know, but, but like, uh, but they didn't make it. Yeah. And so I think from a young age, it was like both, you know, and this is not psychologically what you guys need to hear, but I think in me, it was both like, well, I'll finish the job. <laughs> you know, like I'll take on that, that uh, um, cycle of abuse <laughs> <laughs> and I'll finish it and then uh, I'll pass it on to um, my children. <laughs> uh, and that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so it is now 10 years since Happy Endings went off the air. And I feel like the years after it, you did a lot of work that was, I would say, uh, chaotic. Um, sure. Which was great, and beautifully so. And I feel sure. like this is sort of a, a mature Adam Pally, but it's, there is a chaos to it. Do you feel more, do you, do you feel more mature? Do you feel um, less like you need to constantly make these people laugh? No, no, that doesn't go away. I think that I think that 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 is always there because I think what it has fused with is like it used to be a desperation of like like to prove yourself or for your parents' attention and love or for um y- the the competition of your peers. It used to be those or those three things. But I think what it has done is fused with my job. Now mm-hmm. it's the way I make money, which is you know, tough sometimes, but I, I think the positive of that is that it really does keep you like, well, what am I going to do next? Yeah. You know, how am I going to keep this train moving? So um, I think in some ways it's more mature, but in other ways it's still the same. I mean, you saw the show. It's it's hostile, you know, um, but then it makes you cry and, and you go home feeling good. And, yeah. and I feel like uh, that is the sweet spot. Otherwise, you're just doing you know, the same stuff. You know, one of the ways it's hostile is you play Dave Matthews' band. Um, 
Uh, Spoiler alert. So is that's, it, that's fine. <laughs> what, I don't find it hostile, but yes. What does it mean, <laughs> mean to you to bring Dave Matthews into well, these spaces? Well, that that that. <laughs> First of all, let's not like uh, idolize our spaces here in Brooklyn <laughs> so much. Which is part of the reason I play Dave Matthews. It's like, let's all take a look around. You know, yeah, you're in Park Slope right now. You're no better than anybody that lives in, like, Fairview. You know, we're all the same. Uh, and that's why I like doing that Dave Matthews bit, because, um, you know, I've, I grew up at, a, at, I'm a little older than, than probably a lot of you here, but, like, I grew up at a time where it was, like, if you said you like Dave Matthews, you were basically saying, like, Oh yeah, I don't understand like the total concepts of humanity too. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I like Dave Matthews. It's the first music I ever yeah. heard. You know, it's like there was a certain element of like you simp, <laughs> you know, you basic bitch. Uh, and I love Dave Matthews, and uh, I think he's great. And I think um, I think most of the people that would like get on that soapbox about hating Dave Matthews have listened to like him scat or something. <laughs> And was like, yeah, I don't like that. It's like, okay, well, I mean, there's a reason that Pharrell asks him to play his festival every year. It's like, he's good. Uh, and I think sometimes people need to be like forced yeah. to, especially on the coasts, uh, they need to be forced to like check themselves. And so uh, me going out in the beginning and telling the audience I would never ever do something like play a Dave Matthews cover for them and then closing the show with a 16 minute Dave Matthews <laughs> cover <laughs> is like giving them their medicine. Yeah. Uh, what's the goal for the show? A movie, I think. I'm going to make a movie. Uh, I, I don't love like, like um, specials to me. Uh, they just don't like grab, grab me that mm. much because I get bored of of the imp just the straight up visual of it is like I start to lose it uh, but I do like movies and I love concert movies and I think there's a sweet spot somewhere between like Fish's Bittersweet Motel and Seinfeld's Comedian <laughs> that I could fit right into <laughs> So, for those familiar with the podcast, the podcast ends with a segment called the Laughing Round. It's like a lightning round, but because it's a comedy podcast, it's a laughing round. We can't do all of the typical questions, so I'm going to run through them, and you could pick whichever one you would most like to answer. I don't. I'm confused. You'll. It'll make more sense. So, the questions. You can pick anyone. Okay. Do you have a favorite joke? Joke like a street joke? No. Great. Number two. Is there a joke you've seen a comedian do that you wish you could steal? That you wish you can tell? It's yours. No. Great. Uh, do you have a short story of an interaction with a legendary comedian, living or dead, you'd be willing to share with us? Um, yeah, I could do a short story. About Great. I, I, <laughs> this is a story my kids love, and it's the first time I met Sandler, um, who is uh, my my god. Um, I pray to him. I have a shrine of him. Uh, he knows that, um, and he's comfortable with it. Uh, but I do love Adam. I think he's like the greatest, and uh, he's my Michael Jordan. You know, like <laughs> for real. Like know me as well. I saw him as a kid in concert probably eleven times, um, and I, uh, I just love the man. I, I love his. I love him, <laughs> and um, so the first time I met him, this is nice because it's also this other man I love's 
uh, birthday today, but I got invited to um, not to to pay a lot of money to go to a benefit. <laughs> um, and I did because at that benefit, Eddie Vedder, uh, who's his birthday today, the great Eddie Vedder, another man that I love. <laughs> um, uh, he's the lead singer of Pearl Jam. Uh, you guys like I don't know what any of the words you're saying are, but um, he. Um, uh, was playing a benefit concert and I paid a lot of money to go to the thing and I was sitting in, in a chair and um, I was with the, the guy who created Happy Endings and he had, at the time had just written a movie called um, the, with Sandler and yeah. uh, Andy Samberg that's and that's, that's my, my boy. boy, thank you. Thank you. So uh, I, had, I had known some of that crew like David Spade and so Spade uh, came over and sat down and he was like, you know, how you doing? And I, you know, like, <laughs> Like I'm good, I'm good. He's like, hey, I got, I, I got, a, I got a, a surprise for you. And I was like, what? And he goes, I want to introduce you to someone. I was like, uh, okay. And he goes, uh, Pally, this is uh, Adam Sandler. And so like Spade's sitting here, and I'm sitting here, and Sandler's across from Spade. And I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I didn't even like want to look. And he's like, no, no, Adam. And I was like, and and there he was, you know, in all his glory. He's wearing like a, a golf polo. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, pajama pants, like Zumba pajama pants. His arm was in a sling. And he goes, oh, hey, nice to meet you. you uh, you're on David's show, huh? And I was like, yes. And he's like, I, lo I love it. Me and my wife, we love it, we love it. And I was like, oh my God. And then he goes, you, uh, you like Eddie? <laughs> And I was like, I, I, I love Eddie, you know? And he's like, you a fan of mine? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I'm sure Spade told you, like, I'm a, you're my guy. And he goes, oh, then tonight's got to be pretty cool for you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's amazing. And he goes, yeah. You want to know how it could get cooler? And I was like, how? And he goes, check this out. And he walks on stage, like just gets up and walks. And as he's doing that, Eddie Vedder's like, uh, I'd like to close out tonight's set with uh, a good friend of mine, good friend of yours, Mr. Adam Sandler. <laughs> and then Sandler comes out, and the first chords of Baba O'Reilly start playing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck. And he goes, hey, this one's for my boy Pally. <laughs> and I was like, holy fucking Shit, best night of my life, <laughs> hands down. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, it was amazing. It was like greatest night. And then I got home and I had a text from Spade that said I owed him nine thousand dollars. <laughs> Wait, do you want to play another song? Um, sure. I'll play one more. I'll play one more song before sure. I go. I'll do a bit that I've been working on. We'll see how it goes. All right, great. Adam Pally, we'll be right back. All right, so I, I've never done this bit live, but I've done it uh, for friends. And they say, um, don't lead with it. <laughs> so uh, this is a new bit, but I think it'll get better. Thank you. 
so I um, I don't know all, all the words to this song, <laughs> but I know I know some of them. And the the guys in the back have been nice enough to uh, set up cue cards, so um, we'll be okay. I want to run. I want to hide. I want to tear down the walls, hold me inside. I want to break out and touch the flame where the streets have no name. I want to feel sunlight on my face. When the storm clouds disappear without a trace I want to seek shelter On the desert plain Where the streets have no name Where the streets have no name Where the streets have no name, have no name. We're still building Burning our love, burning our love, and when I go there, I go there with you. It's all I can do. Okay, he is not there. thought I was done when I stepped away, but I am. Um, free, free Ireland. No, no bombs and no war. When AIDS came to America, it was bad. And then we fixed it. No, we didn't, did we? I don't know. Uh, and but 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 it's better, and then and then the, the streets have no name. Where the streets have no name, I'm good on this part. If that guy's in the bathroom, could he come back? Where the streets have no name, still building. We're burning our love. Barely good on the chorus. Burning our love, and when I go there, if if anyone in the audience could Google it and hold it up, go there with you. It's all I can. I want to run, that's the first verse, uh, and then come down, uh, it's the worst possible time for this guy to go away, then uh, check your iPhones, I don't know why, it's a nightmare, where the streets have no name, where the streets have no name. We're still building, we're burning our love Burning our love And when I go there Go there with you It's all I can do Thank you.
Adam Pally, thank you. That was Adam Pally, and we're right back with our next guest, Jay Jordan. Calling all female runners, it's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Last week, Kanye West accused one of the biggest Twitch streamers of being an industry plant. It's an idea that comes up so often on platforms like TikTok and elsewhere. You see people who have blown up seemingly overnight, and the question is, who's behind them, right? That's what everyone wants to know. Tipping the scales and pulling the lever to make them seemingly the next it thing on the internet. This week on Power User, is it even possible to create an industry plant on the internet? And if so, how? And we're back with Good One Live Part 1. So one of the greatest joys in my life is getting to see Jay Jordan perform every other Tuesday at Pretty Major, which is the bi-weekly comedy show Vulture co-produces with Union Hall. It's not just that Jay, whose day job is writing on The Problem with Jon Stewart, is great at writing great jokes. It's, it's how much fun he has telling the great jokes he writes. So I asked Jay to perform the set he performed on The Tonight Show in December of last year. A set I saw him work on for months, and a set I'm still shocked got past NBC censors. You'll see why. So, here is Jay Jordan. Alright, what's up? Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Let's start off with something positive. I recently got married! Hell yeah! To a dude! Oh, okay, yeah! I saw some people stop clapping. Listen! I love homophobia, it keeps me on my toes. Now, I know there are some old-fashioned people out there, some conservative people out there, people out there who believe marriage is strictly between a man, a woman, and eventually a much younger woman. A much younger woman who somehow got this administrative assistant position, even though she doesn't have any experience. All I'm saying is I don't think Tasha knows Excel. Anyway. Me and my husband, we got married in New York City, but we wanted to have a traditional Southern gay wedding. So we had a cake, we had a DJ, we had protesters. And y'all, they were making some good points. One of the signs said, this is a choice. I was like, of course we have vegan options. Come on, man, it's 2022. Here's what they don't tell you. When you get married in New York City as a guy to another guy, you spend most of your wedding day introducing gay men who live in New York City to other gay men they have already slept with. So, most of my wedding day, I was stuck saying stuff like, well, Benjamin, you know Todd. 
Michael, you know Todd. Shane, you know Todd. Wait a second, does everyone know Todd? And then my husband was like, Jay, do you know Todd? And I was like, ooh, I do. And then, and then I had to remind him. I said, nah, baby, we know Todd. And he was like, oh, that's Todd? I didn't recognize him standing up. <laughs> Surprised y'all let me get away with that one. <laughs> We had a fun wedding, fun fishing. I went in fishing at Danny with an eye. She was the best. Walked in so quirky. She was like, hey, y'all, we are gathered here today in front of friends, family, God. I'm kidding. He ain't watching. Let's turn up. I was like, let's go. Now, something interesting just happened. When I said I was married to a dude, I heard a bunch of woos. And that let me know it's a lot of straight women here. Straight girls, I love y'all. We go way back, middle school. Huddle up. Let's chat. Y'all doing okay? No, you're not. You're not doing okay, because if you're doing okay, you wouldn't be dating ugly dudes. What is the reasoning? Do you know that being straight doesn't have to be a dare? <laughs> you can enjoy it? Then y'all come up to me after the show and say stuff like, well, Jay, just so you know, I happen to like my men a little ugly. Right, babe? <laughs> and this poor guy is like, you hear that? She only said a little. <laughs> then y'all brag to me about your ugly man. You'd be like, well, Jay, just so you know, me and my ugly man, we're flying to Paris. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he's got to get back to Notre Dame. Those bells aren't going to ring themselves. <laughs> of course. Of course, I don't mean anyone here. Every straight guy here is a 10. If you don't believe me, I'll kiss you on the way out. But seriously, one of my friends, he's an old school comedian. What's the word for that? He's a misogynist. And he said, he said, Jay, these women date these ugly men just so they can get their money. And I was like, yeah, I know ugly men have money. I've been on a boat before, right? There's a guy out there right now who's like, hey, wait a minute. I have a boat, and I'm not in any of the pictures. <laughs> I'm not talking about you, baby. You are gorgeous. <laughs> now, do y'all seriously think that the ugly community is going to cancel me for that joke? Do you think the ugly community is going to come for me? <laughs> as long as they don't do it in person, yuck. <laughs> no, seriously, seriously. Everyone is worried about cancel culture. Everyone's scared of cancel culture. Everyone except for me. Because do you understand how hard it would be to cancel me? <laughs> Come on, y'all, I'm black, I'm queer, I'm left-handed. <laughs> there are a lot of words I can say. <laughs> Thank y'all, I've been Jay Jordan. Uh, woo! Jay Jordan. Wait, we have to switch these, I have to get the. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Beep, 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 beep. So there's one joke. Uh, so I think a good way of get a sense of how you approach uh, this set is asking about the opening joke, which is a joke you didn't do yet. Which yes. Is, so um, can you do the joke? And I'll do I'll the joke. Okay, so I have a joke where I say, hey, y'all, I basically implicate that I'm stupid. I go, I'm pretty stupid. Yeah, I can come out here and pretend to be smart, but that's all comedy is, is, a, is the illusion of intelligence. I can come out here on this stage and throw out a bunch of polysyllabic words, like polysyllabic, but when I go home, I'm definitely gonna be like, oh, there's a you in camouflage. <laughs> Doing a good job of hiding. <laughs> but so on The Tonight Show, you didn't do the polysyllabic 
part. True. Because you thought they were too dumb to get it? Yes. No, I mean, I well, I didn't want to come, you don't want to come out of the gate with a polysyllabic joke, but um, Michael Cox of Booker didn't want me to come out with the I recently got married, so what I did was truncate and just give like the tiny camo yeah. part of it, and I just basically came out and said, I was stupid, don't let this turtleneck fool you. I was wearing a like an ivory turtleneck from Todd Snyder. Uh, and Jay's uh, one of our foremost Todd Snyder wearing comedians. <laughs> That just means I currently have a job. Yeah. I just want you to know what Jesse said. Um, well, it's because you wore the uh, Todd Snyder vest without sleeves. Yeah, I wore that on, on uh, recording. Cordon. So the funny part about truncating that joke is that I'm okay with a softer pop on that joke in the beginning because then I get to do the I, I recently got married stuff and just build, but they didn't want like a full-on, hey, you guys, guess what? Since I left, since I did this in 2019, I got married, which I actually like because not enough men do, but they were like, <laughs> do something else. Why, why didn't they, do you have a sense of why they didn't want that? Uh, I don't know. Like, whatever the booker kind of tells me to do for stuff like that, I always try to be very helpful to them just because they're putting me on TV. And it's not like he was like, be less black and queer. He, <laughs> yeah. You know, he just, he just told me not yeah, to that's fair. have the married one. He wanted the married one, like, a bit further in. So, uh, speaking of your wedding. Yes. Oh, yay. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wow. That's actually Danny. I used her real name. That was the first question. So for those listening, uh, yeah, arms. <laughs> for, just so if you can't hear, someone in the audience immediately said arms. Um, for those listening later, can you paint a picture of what your wedding was like? So it was at the Foundry in Long Island City. My husband, Garrison, we've been together for uh, 10 and a half years at this point. And so we got married July 10th, 2022. Um, huge floral budget for the <laughs> wedding. Uh, courtesy, kind of, of John Stewart. So... <laughs> So we had a bunch of flowers. Uh, the pictures are like kind of the biggest floral piece. That was like where we actually had the ceremony. And this is our reception with this cake with a bunch of non-edible shit on top of it. <laughs> and then there's a picture of us uh, in front of the space where we actually said our vows at the end of the night after we danced. And we were both sleeveless, um, like bespoke suits. So it was, it was really fun. As you said, you were, were together for two and a half yeah. years, which was before gay marriage was legal nationally. What yeah. did you want from your wedding? Why did you want a wedding? I knew that I wanted a wedding when I could afford one and when my partner was adamant that he wanted one. I was never anti-wedding. I was never anti-marriage. I just would have to be with someone who was very pro those things. I'd be like, well, if this makes us a better couple, if this is a cool way to show how many people that we care about uh, that we love each other, very, very pro that. But I was never like, I was never like, a, I can't wait to get married, girl. Yeah. <laughs> On your wedding day, are you a comedian? Like, are you constantly being like, well, that's a funny way of here, here, You want something funny? <laughs> here, okay, so our, our vows, uh, they're online somewhere. <laughs> they're pretty good. They're pretty tight. Garrison started off his vows with Jay. I'm so happy to wake up every day with you in my corner of the bed. Boom. <laughs> like, had like bangers out the gate. Like, it was crisp, tight. Um, made jokes about how much I tweet. I made a joke about how like an interracial queer love story is just so hack now. And <laughs> I also said we had a very traditional meeting. We met in the theater department at the University of Mississippi. So there was just, I mean, it was funny. I, I 
I had a really good time making those vows, both like heartfelt, but also like playing with the humor. For me, humor can sometimes also be a ladder because yeah. when vows don't have a place that they're going, as a, as a guest, you're kind of like, <laughs> so you love each other. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Were you thinking of jokes while having your wedding or were you present in the moment? I was very present in the moment only because I wanted everything to go well. We didn't have a single, the, the biggest dust up at my wedding uh, was that someone like two jackets got swapped and like one of them was a much nicer jacket than the other one at Kochek and people noticed that kind of shit. <laughs> my good friend from Chicago, uh, he was like, oh, Jay, I don't want like be that guy, but my jacket was not Zara. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right, baby, we'll find your jacket. So then, so when do you start looking back at that wedding and be like, this is a this is a joke, I'm gonna write about this, oh, I'm gonna write about this. Write so about this. this happened in July, and I saw, I saw Michael at the cellar, I think he was working on, ooh, this is when my, this is when I become like a super comedy nerd. <laughs> so, ooh. <laughs> A comic was running their Tonight Show set. Michael saw me do some wedding jokes, and he was like, I don't have any of that. Bookers for late night shows are very selfish. If you <laughs> promise that you're going to give them something that no one else has, they will bite on it. So if you can be like, oh, I'll give you that. I'll give you my wedding jokes, he'll be like, okay, cool. Like, so you kind of like broker deals sometimes that way. So he was like, you want to do the show again? And I was like, is it this casual now? <laughs> is this? Okay. Yes, I would love to do the show. Uh, why? Is Dua Lipa sick? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> is Jimmy not gonna roll around in a pile full of golden retrievers this week? I don't know, I'll do the show. Once again, love the show, but y'all know the show. Uh, so when he asked me, I was like, hell yeah, I'll do it again. I also think of late night as a fun test. It's always like, uh, okay, what can you, th this yeah. gets to later questions, yeah, but yeah. I knew that I had a bunch of wedding stuff, so I didn't start working on wedding material in my actual comedy sets until Probably September, October, polished, polished, polished all through November, and that set came out December. So I waited like a couple months before I was like, isn't it funny that I got married? <laughs> so um, let's talk about the Todd part. Yes, let's talk about the so Todd part. First, as a non-comedian, how did you think about the guest list for your wedding? And and what happened that you were like, this is, we're going to make a joke out of, out oh, of what happened? Okay, so I've been to another wedding where... Myself and my, I love that this is on the podcast. Myself <laughs> and my husband had like hooked up with a few people at that wedding. It was like, oh, hey, hey, wait up. Okay, all right, this will be a fun after party. Um, and so then at our wedding, there were like multiple people who have been in and out of our lives, both separately <laughs> and romantically, including like very important people. So describing kind of like monogamy, monogamish and like kind of, a, you know, not, pure polyamory because I don't talk about it all the time like they do but <laughs> but discussing kind of like soft diet polyamory in a tonight show set specifically a group sex joke was like a goal of mine and the reason that is is because in my first tonight show set I have a fantasy football joke where I go oh I love my homeboys a couple months ago one of my straight homeboys was like hey Jay you want to play fantasy football with us I instantly said yes because I thought it was something completely different <laughs> uh, he said great it's me you six other dudes I said stop right there <laughs> I already said yes no need to sweeten the deal uh, Turns out I was mistaken. As y'all know, fantasy football is just book club for straight dudes. So 
So that's in my 2019 set. So when I got a group sex joke past standards and practices at NBC Universal, I was like, oh, the goal is always gonna be to get a naughty. Just get <laughs> one like little naughty. And uh, I like kind of gave my like coming out story to the Corden set, and that was like a bit sweeter. But I was like, oh, let me see, let me see what I can get away with. And in the set, after I do the basically like the dirtiest tag on the Todd joke, though I didn't recognize him standing yeah, up, yeah. I said in one of the practice runs, I was like, who was surprised y'all let me get away with that one? And Michael Cox, the booker, was like, say that on the show. And I was like, oh, okay, hell yeah, I'll say it. I also flirted with Jimmy on the show too. Yeah, just yeah. To, don't say, oh. Don't say, oh, you saw Fever Pitch. He was cute. Because you say kiss, you, you throw to. The kiss joke, you then say, I'll kiss you, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, I say, uh, uh, I don't mean any straight guys here. Every straight guy here is a tan. Don't believe me, I'll kiss you on the way out. Jimmy's laughing, and I go, and but the choreography is very important. They were like, don't turn up stage to Jimmy. If you're going to ever mention Jimmy, like, just give a hand. You can kind of turn to the roots, but, like, always just go upstage, because he will upstage you, because you're going to have to be like, hey. But, so, I was like, uh, I'll kiss you on the way out. Jimmy's laughing. I go, you too, Jimmy. I like the beard. It's when he had the beard. And so, when the crowd loses it, then he loses it again. So, it was very fun to kind of like also stamp that set in a moment in time where like this is just for y'all yeah. this is truly just for y'all the thing about the standing up part of that joke which is the dirtiest part of the joke is it got an applause break yeah it also <laughs> got like a <gasps> <laughs> well it was like that moment like you know the joke was good it crushes everyone but yeah. like what in to do for that audience well i think that every now and then i do like to shake uh flyover states up and be like you're in new york Okay, you go. You're gonna be a little bad, y'all. Y'all wanna be a little bad? Let's be a little bad. Yes, it is six o'clock and the sun is still out, but let's be a little naughty. I I feel like we talked about it with Zach that you he Zach Zach Zimmerman who co-hosts Pretty Major said he talked about how he he witnessed uh, you introduce your mom to your third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Now, that seems funny. These people laughed at just the premise. Why not make a joke? Is that too much? To me, that that gets into, like, so many specifics. If, like, you have, like, a kind of fun, silly, rotating door policy, Todd becomes this ephemeral character. But when you say, oh, I have another person in my life who I love and care about, uh, that's not my partner, but, like, romantically, sexually, emotionally, that person has a stake and a big part of my life as well. When you start to do that kind of shit, people, you see what happens? Yeah. They're listening. They want to know start, about it. No, people start doing calculations. Yeah, yeah. They start going, okay, let me see. All right. So, hmm. And I'm just going, oh, that's not that's not fun. I don't want to do that. Because, like, um, threesomes are funny. Thruples are like, what's going on? That's, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you true. want, like, an Eiffel Tower for that long. You don't want to always be thinking about it. So then the ugly dudes part, which has, <laughs> which is just has, you know, some of the most classic Jay Jordan type jokes, the yes. dare, the dare joke, and the, and the Notre Dame joke. <laughs> I, okay, so the hunchback joke makes me so happy because it's like it's like a a silly little like very animated tag to calling straight guys ugly, which is not a novel premise, and y'all aren't. They truly aren't. Some of the best hookups I've had been with straight guys who are hot. Now, but I do think that like kind of folding it 
into like this section for straight women and celebrating celebrating the beauty of women, but also the fact that they have to go dumpster diving for dudes all the time. <laughs> and cause like straight girls wooing for just queer men in general is like a funny premise to me. Yeah. And I have like stuff that's like, you know, not necessarily as late night friendly about that because it's kind of heady and you're like oh yeah i want you like cheer for queer men but i also don't want you to turn all of us into yorkies <laughs> like there's always there's also like there's also a trope of powerful straight women that have like a tiny little rah, 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 like a little gay that's always next to them and then sometimes you're like i love this podcast and you go that's just her dominating him all the time um so it's like a it's a point of contention yeah. it's sticky there's some tension but there's also fun so like you know, just do the celebratory parts on when you're doing this night show. And then, so you end with the cancel me stuff, and and there's also that little joke you have about older community, the misogynist part. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I'll tell you something about that part. So here's what's funny, very true. Yep. That comedian knows who he is. I, what happens is I was talking about how these girls date these ugly guys. He came up to me after show with the purest of intentions, and I guess like he truly thought I didn't know that there's sometimes financial transactions with sexual relationships. <laughs> I was a personal trainer, y'all. <laughs> I made a lot of house calls. Now, <laughs> he saw me do the straight, uh, straight girl section, and he said, you know why they're with those guys? Because those guys are loaded. And I was like, yeah, I know. Also, this is pretty misogynistic. <laughs> and so then, I, I think I said his name once on stage, but and then- And that name is? It's, it's uh, it escapes me at the moment. <laughs> Look at that. Um, but no, the funny thing is that like, he was at the cellar. Now the funny, <laughs> there's only people in here, but the funny thing is that like, he loves, he loves the shout out. Yeah. Cause to him, he's like, ah, it's kind of funny. I'm a misogynist. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so hard to know which one. I'm like, uh, it could be a lot of different people. You, I mean, yeah, you're gonna have, you'd have to go through the roster. Yeah, yeah. You'd get there eventually. <laughs> so um, are you already planning your next late night set? Wedding? Yeah, yeah, your next wedding. <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm always like tinkering because like uh, that set is cleaned up. Uh, there are a couple of things. Like there's, you've seen the chunks in the middle where I actually have a bunch of stuff I have a Todd callback that's very funny. I talk about going to get my monkeypox vaccine and I walked in and it was truly just a who's who of who blew who. <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, good to see you again, good to see you again. Man, what's up, Todd? And I like, pick him up uh, from the ground. But I didn't, I knew NBC wouldn't approve that. Yeah, so yeah. it's just, so there's, that. that is such a sanitized version of the set that also get happy when people see the real version, they hear the real words. Like I don't say, I don't say straight guys, I'll kiss you on the way out. I don't say that <laughs> in the set. I use a different verb. Um, come to the show to find out which one. I also say straight girls, I don't say why are you dating ugly dudes? Phonetically, I wanted the music to be the same. So I say fucking in the true set, but I say dating because once again, TV. And these are changes I'm okay with making. Yeah, yeah. Um, for a late night set. Oh, but I am working on my next late night set. I don't know when, but I'll do it. So, uh, on the podcast, we have a thing called a laughing round. It's like yes. a laughing round by the book of the comedy podcast. It's a laughing round. Um, so, we ran through some of them. The other ones, you can okay. pick the earlier ones. You can pick okay. which one. But there's also fire, favorite time you ever bombed. Oh, yes. Advice to an upcoming comedian. Don't yes. pick that one. That's going to be interesting. Okay. And then a joke that has never worked, but All you'll right. go to your grave being like, 
I'm right. The audience is wrong. That's funny. Ooh, okay. So, uh, legendary short story about a comedian. For just thematically, this is a fun through line. So the first time I did Tonight Show, you know who was on Tonight Show with me as a surprise guest because they didn't know if they're going to be able to tape with him to promote Uncut Gems. Adam Sandler. <laughs> Adam Sandler saw my first Tonight Show set. And that was crazy because Jimmy was gonna be at the University of Texas next week, so Adam did his couch sit and some of his promo for Uncut Gems with Jimmy that day, after my set. So he saw my set. Here's the other crazy part. Adam's there, Jimmy's there. Tim Meadows is upstairs doing Seth Meyers' show. That's, so you know who comes down, if, four, if those four people are there, you know who comes down from the top floor of 30 Rock? Lauren comes down. <laughs> And so Lauren is just hanging out backstage. So it's Jimmy, Adam Sandler, Lauren, myself, my boyfriend, my husband, at the t my husband now, my boyfriend at the time. And so the first person who like compliments me on my, my first late night set was Jimmy Fallon, then Adam Sandler. And Lauren was just like, hmm. Uh, <laughs> which honestly, a lot of people never even get that. So <laughs> happy. And the funniest thing is that like, so I like, was talking to Jimmy and then Garrison, my husband, for some reason he hugged Adam Sandler. <laughs> so I was like, Garrison, we, okay, I love the water boy, but I didn't hug him. <laughs> um, but so that's like the other, that's the short story. The, other, the shorter story is that I, I, because I'm a writer on The Problem with Jon Stewart now, one of the first things you get scared about is like when you can make your very famous comic boss laugh on the Zoom. And the first time I made John laugh on the Zoom is he was dealing with his, he was dealing with his big house, his farmhouse in New Jersey or whatever. And he said, yeah, we gotta kill some of these wasps. And I went, John, I hate white people too. But this is, <laughs> I said, but this is not the time. We got a show to write. And, and I like got him, so. Um, favorite time I bombed at a college in the Midwest during the day? <laughs> An hour? In the daytime? No, I was doomed. Doomed. Do Jesse? That is one of, bombing for an hour, bombing for 30 minutes, bombing for 10 minutes, you get over that shit. When you have to just like claw through an hour in the daytime in the Midwest and then drive back to your hotel, it is life changing. <laughs> That's why I I never get scared. Yeah. Jay Jardin. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for another episode of Good One. Follow Adam Pally on Twitter at Adam Pally and on Instagram at Adam.Pally. Follow Jay on social media at Jay Jardin. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Camila Salazar. Godmar Shikishin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Please pre-order my book, comedy book, wherever books are sold. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're here every other Tuesday. Have a good one. Welcome to Good One. Show about talking them jokes. Mm, son. Hey, 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 good one. It's a good one. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. 
In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.